Well, good evening, good evening, good evening. I am celebrating the 31st anniversary of my 30th birthday, and, and it's, a good, it's a good day. I'm not going to gripe. I've spent years telling people to embrace reality, put your faith in God, and take the next best step, and so that's what I intend to do. What a tremendous group here tonight. I want, I want you to look around and, and see this. And, of course, we've got the young adults with us. Uh, would, would all the young adult class, would you stand? Would, would you just stand? We, we want to look at you. We, can, can we give these great young adults a hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for being here. Sister Hudiger um, told me that there are some uh, books available right now in the, in the bookstore, and someone's there, if anyone would like to, to go and, uh, and get that. I'm not going to ask you to stand, but I am going to ask you to uh, bow your head, and let's pray that the, the spirit of revelation will, will flow through us, and we will have the, the anointing tonight. Father, we come thanking you for your bountiful blessings on our life. And one of those blessings is the fact that we can come into a sanctuary and openly and freely talk about your word, discuss your word, teach your word. And we know, God, that this word is alive and, and it is a change agent. It's the greatest change agent in the universe. And I'm praying that you will just speak to us and let us be changed. Let it be done in Jesus' name. And can the church shout amen? Amen. amen. Well, here we, here we go on the, on the Knowledge Project. Um, this is the first one that we will be doing. It's called Sure Foundations. And the elements in the foundation of a wise man will include the word and prayer fasting, stewardship, and communion. These will be the lessons that, that we will be dealing with. Now, there are other uh, pieces in our foundation that we need, but you can believe if we can, can pay attention to these and make sure that these are in our life, our foundation is going to be strong. Those of you who have invested in the book, you realize that there is more than just the teaching points that I will be dealing with tonight. It's really quite a, a journey. I am prejudiced to this, being that Melanie is the editor of it. However, it's, it's just incredible, incredible material. It's, it's something that, that will make a difference in our entire life. I'm so glad to be able to be standing up here teaching a couple of, you know, some of her information. I'm looking for her. I think she's here. There, there she is right there. And she t let me know that she would be critiquing me very heavy to see what, I, what I've added and, uh, and maybe what I've deleted. And we'll just, we'll just see. I'll, I will see what kind of a grade I get when we get home. Lesson one, the voice. The voice. This is where it, where it all starts. Now, Pastor was talking about us all studying the same thing campus-wide, and so this key word, you will, you will notice that key by it when you're, when you're looking. 
that is letting us know that that is our, our key word. This verse is being discussed. This verse is the main verse for this particular series. And it would be great if each family would make this a, a focused uh, family memory verse. Luke six forty eight. He is like a man which built an house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. When, when I look at this verse and I, and I thought about this verse, I personally feel that the stream in this verse represents life because you can believe Many of us know well that, that there's just going to be a time that life is going to beat on you. It's going to happen. It's, it's not really if, it's when. And we will never be holy enough and we'll never be able to plan well enough to escape the beating at some point in our life. It's going to happen. As a matter of fact, there's going to be I don't want anybody to get depressed right here in the in the intro, but let's just gain the reality. Uh, I heard one man say that life is a series of squeeze and release. Squeeze and release. If we do not take that approach to life, then we're really going to waste a lot of emotion being frustrated over a repeatable reality. And so it's squeeze and release. And so we know that there will be seasons of, of the beating that is going to come. This is the reason why it's incredibly important to have a strong foundation. Because it's going to happen. Now, we know that foundations are a major issue. Uh, we understand this if we understand anything about physical construction. We have some builders in here. You understand this a lot better than I do. I just know that the, you know, the only thing I've really built in my life, we've flipped houses, we've added additions on, but I had, um, I had about 30 days to build two dorms on our campgrounds to oversee the building of two dorms. And we thought we did a good job on the foundation. Key word, thought. Over the years, we started seeing some cracks. And then the doors didn't shut well. And then some of the drop ceilings started dropping. Uh, that's not what you really have in mind about putting in drop ceiling. You don't want it to drop to the floor. You want it to just drop down. Well, it dropped all right. It, it lived up to its... Uh, to its name. And so when we look at this, we know that a wise builder will pay close attention to the foundation. And just as this is true in any physical building, you can believe it's true in our own lives. Our, my life is, is a very important building project. Your life is a very important one. And I personally, when I think about life, I think about every day being a brick. You know, life just unfolds. And if we, if we skimp on the foundation, I promise you that the clock is ticking on when the cracks are going to show up. 
It's, it's definitely things are going to start cracking. Things are, are not going to be working right. It will not stand up against the, the storm that is coming. And when we look at the voice of God, as we're speaking of tonight, we look at the word of God, we know that it's vital to our foundation. So in your notes, the Bible is the infallible, without error, divinely breathed voice of God that was dictated to chosen men and came to us through the pen of human writers. We, we've, we needed understanding, a strong understanding of this. Through faith in God, we believe it to be without error and absolutely necessary for the Christian's relationship with him. Now, we cannot miss the first basic fact that the Bible is without error. You say, well, uh, you know, some people can get into some situations and it's like, well, I would rather take, I've heard this, I would rather take the words of Jesus over uh, over uh, Peter, because, you know, Jesus said to be baptized in the name of the, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and but then Peter said, uh, repent and be baptized, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, and so we have a problem here. Well, no, we do not have a problem there at all. When we dig into it, we realize that those scriptures agree. We also must understand that if Okay, now if we have a problem with, with Jesus and Peter, well, then we can have a problem with Isaiah and Jeremiah. We can have a problem with Moses. We can go on and on and on. And so we have to understand that, that if there is something that looks to us like it does not agree or it's against each other in the Word of God, that just means we have more prayer to do and more study to do because there is agreement in the Word of God. This is, this is foundational. This, this Bible that we have was the voice of God. It was dictated by God himself. Now, there are people that consider themselves quote-unquote Christian who do not believe that. And that's, that's, you know, that's hard for me to understand. But we know that the Word is powerful it's so powerful that, that when Jesus was facing the enemy head on, what did Jesus use during his time? You're right. During his time of extended fasting when he was in the wilderness and weakened. What did he use? Wilderness and weakened. In that state, what did he use? The word. So in our day, when we're in a wilderness, and when we're in a time that we're weakened, what's going to be the answer? The same thing, it will be the Word. It's, it is written. It brought victory then, and it will bring victory to us now in times of temptation and transition. Those, those are two times in our life that the enemy zeroes in on us. Temptation and transition. There are many transitions in, in our life. 
It's life stages. It's all kinds of transition. I'm not talking about uh, only just the transition when, you know, some of us move from one state to Indiana. Uh, that is a big transition, and you have to stay focused, or you can get confused in those times. But I'm talking about life stages. I'm talking about in what life brings us in those times. I promise you the Word is the answer. So in your notes in Psalms 119.11... Thy word have I hid in mine heart, why? That I might not sin. There's just not going to be a way that we're not going to be prone to sin if we do not have the word in our heart. It's so frustrating to see people struggle, 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 and then you get to talking to them. There's no prayer in their life. There's no word. And, but they're struggling. They're, they're trying, they're trying to do something that's absolutely impossible. You cannot handle temptation without the Word of God. We cannot handle the stages of our life and the transitions of our life without the Word of God. And so when we speak about hiding the Word in our heart, this solidifies the foundation for the storm that's, that's definitely coming. So if we were to ask the question, what is the Bible? What is the Bible? What would you think? Is there anyone that would like to just, if I say, what is the Bible, uh, can you tell me what you think it is? Anyone? The inspired Word of God? Absolutely. Anyone else? There might be many things that, that people could say. There are some people that would say, what's well, a good history book or a good rule book or um, this, that, or the other. But what we've got to understand is, number one in your notes, the Word of God is the voice of God. It's the voice of God. Now, when we, when we just think about that and we stop and really consider that, it's, it's an amazing fact and it's a wonder all in itself that the Word of God is the voice of God. John 1 and 1 in your notes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so the only thing that existed in the beginning before anything else was a voice. The voice was with God. The voice was God. I want to add another verse that you can make a note of, John 1 and 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we see that the word was all that existed in the beginning, and it's all that will exist at the end. Another verse that you can make a note of, Matthew twenty four thirty five: Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. This is the reason why we have to understand the power of the Word of God. I'm not talking about the power of a, a catechism book of a religion. I'm not talking about the power of books written about the book. I'm not, I'm not talking, we, me and a, uh, and a man that, um, that was a great Bible teacher, still is a great Bible teacher in Alexandria. His name's Larry Clark. And he got involved with these people and they saw the, the, 
new birth and they were baptized and their parents went crazy. And, and so they said, well, okay, I know there's nothing that we can do about that, but will you at least go meet with our minister? Will you take that man and go meet with our minister and ask these different questions? And, and so Larry was like, sure, you know, I'll be happy to do that. And he called me and said, would you like to go with me? And I was like, yes. I mean, you know, I, I want to get a ringside seat to this, whatever ends up happening. And, and the other man of the other religion, uh, when Larry laid his Bible down on the table, I will never forget, the man looked at it and said, is that all you refer to? And Larry was like, yes, there's nothing else needed than, than this. And he said, no, he, he said, that's, that's, that's not what we go by. There are seven other books that da, 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 da. And so then it, it really got interesting. But I can tell you this, that this, this is what we need. This is, right? This is the voice of God. This is the word of God. And we have to decide that. We have to decide that first. Number two in your notes. The voice of Almighty God dictated his words to the pen of human writers. Dictated his words to the pen of human writers. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. When we look at this, we see that inspiration, this is all in your notes, means divinely breathed. We need to understand that. When it says inspiration, it's speaking of this word being divinely breathed. Now, it also is speaking of or to blow, breathed or to blow. So literally what happened was God blew the words into the ears of the human writers as he dictated what he wanted them to write. So there are some people, you know, well, Paul wrote, well, you know, Peter wrote, well, Matthew wrote, okay, I, I get that, but don't just keep that on that, on that level. Because this was not just Matthew writing what Matthew thought would be a good thing. Literally, what was happening was the power of God, the, the Spirit of God was dictating to these writers what to write. That is a, a very key thing that we have to understand. Now, I would like to take this scripture just a little bit further in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This means all scripture, all, even the Old Testament, even the Old Testament. Let's not negate the Old Testament. Um, when, when we look at the Old Testament, we must understand that it's just as inspired and important as the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, it says, Now all things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. 
So when we're talking about all of these things, that scripture is not in your notes. You may want to write that reference down, 1 Corinthians 10 and 11. When we're looking at these things, we're including the law. All right? Let's, let's talk about this. Now, Jesus Christ came not to erase the law, not to do away with the law. Jesus Christ didn't come and say, okay, now I'm here moving forward. It's all going to be about the New Testament. Let's forget everything. No, he did not come to erase it. He came to fulfill it. And so when, when Jesus came to fulfill the law, he, he literally revealed then the spirit of the law and took it above the letter of the law. But let's not erase the letter of the law because when you're even looking at the letter of the law and you look at thou shalt not, that means never under any circumstance. So when we're looking at the ten referred to as the commandments, I like what one writer said, if we really understood them, we would not refer to them as the ten commandments, we would refer to them as the ten love letters. And that's so very true because of the power it will bring into our life. But when we're seeing thou shalt not, we need to be thinking never under any circumstance. So all scripture is divinely breathed. All scripture is valuable. When we look at this divinely breathed word of God, here is a key word that we just read when it's speaking of now all scripture is what? Profitable. It's profitable. I'll tell you what I believe that the church desperately needs right now. A revelation of the profitability of the word of God. And it's not just, it's not just what we like. This spells it out clearly and we need to grasp this, re this revelation. Doctrine is profitable. Doctrine is. Let's keep going. Reproof is profitable. Let's even go deeper. Correction is profitable. Instruction in righteousness is profitable. And now man many times can hear doctrine, and, and doctrine is more than just about the new birth. Doctrine is teaching. There are many doctrines in the Bible because of the teaching. But many people will hear doctrine and they'll tolerate instruction. You with me? They'll tolerate that. But when it comes to reproof and correction, oh my, it changes there in a major way. And so what we must do is we must literally align our lives, step into this to where we say, in my life, doctrine is profitable. In my life, reproof. It's profitable when I'm reproved. That correction is profitable. It's profitable when I am corrected, when I am given instruction in righteousness, it 
is profitable. Now, parents and grandparents, think with me right now. You know good and well that if when we were children, if we would have looked at correction and reproof growing up as profitable, we could have saved ourselves a lot of trouble. Right now, our children and our grandchildren, or those of you that have grandchildren, if they could view, you, you know, if they could just view correction and instruction in righteousness and reproof, if they could just view that as profitable, how their life would change, right? Well, when we, when we look at God, our Father, when we look at God's main representative to us, our pastor that walks into the pulpit, if, if we could be a church that, that is listening and saying, all right, pastor, go for it. Doctrine, profitable to me. I view it as, as profitable. Reproof, I view it as profitable. Correction, I view it as profitable. Instruction in righteousness, I view it as profitable. I promise you, it would literally change our world. If we could position ourselves in that position instead of prove it, instead of, eh, I don't know about that, instead of, uh, well, uh, no. If we could get out of that mindset and move into literally a revelation of the profitability of God's Word just as it is, I promise you it would be a, a life changer. And all of this profitable Word was literally God-breathed. I want to give you another scripture to, to write down, and we'll move on to another point. Second Peter 1 and 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's, that's how this word happened. I heard a great illustration. One, one man that had studied the word of God, he was a scholar in God's word. He said, the probability of this word agreeing with this many writers over this many years from this many, uh, um, ways of life, never talking to each other, not having any connection. He said the probability of, of this not having divine inspiration would be like taking everything that it would take to build a house, putting it on an airplane, flying it up thousands of feet, dumping it all out, and the house coming together to where you could live in it. He said, it takes the divine inspiration of God. This is something that only God could have done. Number three in your notes. You will never reach the end of the knowledge and understanding found in any one passage of Scripture. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. 
What we must understand is the Word of God is, is alive, and this means that because its depths are endless and it lives, that one can never really reach the end of the knowledge and revelation found in any one passage of Scripture. Why? Because it's alive. This is not just ink on, on paper, and it will continue to provide direction and new meaning to us. I I challenge you to do this. Take the shortest verse in the Bible, two words, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. You could think about that, and we could never really get to the very bottom of the shortest verse in the Bible when we're thinking about, number one, God in flesh. How are we ever going to tap that one out? And then God in flesh weeping. How are we ever going to tap that out? This is the word of God. Hebrews 4 and 12 in your notes. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now think about this. Dividing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Figure that one out. And the joints and the marrow in our body. Figure that one out. How about this? And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's quite a list. I mean, when we're talking about the Word of God being able to get down in that area, I don't have time to to teach about... um, all of that, but if we just taught, if we just took thought and intent, that the Word of God can discern in my life what is what is a thought and what is an intent. It may all be mixed up in my head, but it's not with the Word of God because in your notes it's quick and it's living. And quick is translated from a Greek word, zeo, which, which is live. It's, it's live. It's being among the living. It's, a, it's not lifeless. It's not dead. The word of God, the words of God are alive. Now, now he had the power of creation in his voice. I believe we'll all agree to that. And those words that he spoke, they're still alive and they're still creating. Now, I go back in my life and think of the words that my dad spoke to me. Um, he passed away almost 42 years ago. This next April will be 42 years. And uh, he was 42 years old whenever he passed away. And some of the words that he spoke to me before he died, they still speak to me. Those words still speak. Um, you know, one I talk about a lot is is whenever I was called to preach at 16 and he was giving me advice at that time in my life, and he said, now, Terry, if you'll deepen, God will broaden. If you'll just deepen. Those, those words have, have lived with me. But if I forget those words, and if I quit speaking those words, the words of Jack Shock are dead. It's over. At, at whatever point, that, that me and my three brothers or, you know, my family are not, you know, that we're not passing these words down, then it's over. Jack Shock's memory is gone. 
But the words of God are alive not only because he's still alive, but it's because the words he spoke are alive, and they forever will be, and they are still creating. When we consider this about the word of God, we, we understand that the word, now here's, now here's where it gets very interesting. The word is not cultural. It's not cultural. People will mark off things in the Word of God saying, well, you know, it's, it's not cultural. That doesn't fit us today. You know, of, I mean, of course we understand that, that you know, we're, we're not living in houses like they used to live in. We, we've got those changes. But when we're talking about the message, the principles of the Word of God, don't fall in the culture trap. Don't, don't let that one get you. Um, there are people that think, well, it, you know, this just does not mean this for the Americans. This doesn't mean this for, we've, we've heard some very crazy things. We are, Melanie and I are, are privileged to, uh, to lead Leadership Development International, and that has to do with our missionaries, and we have some missionaries with us to, uh, tonight that we're very glad that they, that they are here. They're on their way to Wales, and we're just very excited to have them. And so when we started working with some of the missionaries, I had somebody ask me, um, what are you going to do about all the different cultures? I said, I'm not. I'm not going to do anything about different cultures. And they said, well, what do you mean? I said, we're going to give biblical principles. And then whoever is over those areas, they can do with that whatever they have to do with that. But we're not viewing this. We're not viewing training leaders culturally. And we've had some very interesting conversations around the world when we've just shared what the Word of God says. New Life Family, this is the position we have to stay in. What does the Word say? And, and we align for that. Sunday before last, I was uh, blessed to go have a good meal at MCL with, with uh, some the missionaries and ministers and, and all, and we went down that buffet line, and I got to, well, really, I surveyed it all the way down as I was going there so I would know what I wanted and, and what I did not want. And, uh, and I enjoyed that trip. That was, that was a good trip. And I settled on hamburger steak and some mashed potatoes and gravy and some vegetable and uh, Brussels sprouts, I think, it, I think it was. Okay, guess what? The Word of God's not MCL. It's not. And a lot of people get in a lot of trouble because they, they want to they wanna slap, slap it down and, whoa, okay, moving right along. I don't like that one. And, uh, and then it's this, and I'll have, a, you know, I'll have some dessert, but I don't want that. I'll have some sugar, but I, I really don't want that. I, and they literally treat it like a buffet. When, when you read through the Word of God, many of you read through the Word of God every, every year. Uh, when, I, when I do that, I, I get to some places every year, 
And I'm like, oh man, wow, that's a tough read. That is, that's a tough read. Well, I, I kind of know where a lot of the tough reads are. And my flesh wants to say, next chapter. But the word of God is not a buffet. It's not a buffet. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about us, you know, being rude with it and crude and, and cramming it down people's throats. And I'm not talking about that. But I'm just saying individually, we have to understand that the word of God is not a buffet. We also need to understand that if it's in the word, we're accountable. Now, that's a big one. Now, the reason why we we feel this way is because Hosea 4 and 6, it shows just how important it really is. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, now please, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to just hit you in the face real hard, but let's, let's uh, wrestle down a reality. We live, well, I'll just ask, I'll ask this question. How many of you personally, have more than one Bible? Personally. Would everybody keep your hand up? Keep your hand up. Would, would we look around? Okay, you personally. All right, uh, you can put your hands down. How many of you personally have more than five Bibles? Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how many of you think you have more in your house in your house right now, you think you have more than 10 Bibles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how many of you think you have in your house, you have more than 40 Bibles? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we do. Melanie collects them. Uh, we, we've got them in different languages. I think I was teaching, I was teaching a lesson about the Word of God. And I, and I said, you, you know, and about how blessed we are to have the Word of God. And I thought, I'm going to get up and go to every room in this house and count every Bible that, that I could count. Not even counting our office. I counted 63 Bibles. Okay. I don't think that all of us Americans living in the Terre Haute, region, I don't think we're going to be in a good position staying before God saying, really? I didn't, I didn't know that. Now, now, I don't know how God's going to deal with those, with those people that are risking their lives right now in some other countries that have a page, that have a page of the Bible. I, I don't know. I'm just saying that we really need to get disinterested in maybe some things that we're interested in to take that interest and bring it over to the Word of God. I think that's where we are, because if it's, if it's in there, then we're, we're going to be accountable, and, and those of us in these free nations at this point, I imagine we'll really be accountable. So the Bible is the Word of God, which existed before time and creation. This is in your notes. The words of the Bible were breathed into the ears of human writers by God himself. 
The words of the Bible are alive. They're not dead words in ink on paper. They are eternal, ancient words breathed by a holy, eternal God. Because of that, they're relevant to every situation in our lives this very day. So when you don't know what to pray, pray the Word. Pray the Word. When you don't know the right decision, search the Word. The answer's there. When you don't know the will of God, search the Word. You'll find it. When you're sad, read Psalms, or at least some of them. Might want to be selective there because, man, it looks like some of those psalmists were having some bad days. And, and, uh, and, and God just said, hey, we're not going to make everything look perfect. In my book, we're going to give you the good, bad, and the ugly. And so here, he blew that right in their ear. And they're like, man, I'd like to kill them. I'd like to throw them off of a what? That's, don't read those when you're, when you're, you're sad. Use some discretion when you're emotionally challenged. When you're searching for life direction, read Proverbs. When you're grieving the loss of loved ones, read Revelation. When you're searching for the way to be saved, read Acts. Acts. When you feel life is unfair, read Job. Man, Wow, that brother got blasted. I mean, Job, I, I read Job, and that's one of those spots that, that when, I, when I get to whenever I'm reading it, I'm just like, really? I mean, this happened, and that happened, and this happened, and that happened. So if, if you're feeling bad, read, uh, read Job. When you're wondering how to react to good, bad, ugly, rich, poor, unfair, intolerant situations, read the Old Testament. It was given to us as an example of how we should respond. It's, it's all there. And let me say something very basic. The concordance is our friend. It's our friend. I may have mentioned this before, but it comes into my mind right now. I had a couple that came in and they were uh, having serious marriage issues. As a matter of fact, they were having marriage issues enough that the policeman got called uh, out to their house. That's pretty serious. There are marriage issues, and then there are marriage issues. And the policeman got called out there, and it was is kind. It's funny, uh, not what was happening to them, but the way this thing unfolded. Because as it would be, we were having a marriage retreat. They came to the marriage retreat. They came up to me during the marriage retreat, and they said, Pastor Terry, we've, um, we've, we're having problems, and the police got called out to our house. And we, we went before Judge Davidson, who was another church member. And Judge Davidson knew them from church and said, Hey, are y'all going to the marriage retreat this weekend? And they said, yes, we are. He said, okay. He, he said, now, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm, you know, to take care of this, but you've got to go to the marriage retreat, and you've got to talk to Pastor Terry and tell him uh, about this whole mess that happened. 
And so they, they tell me all this. And I said, okay. I said, we, we can work on this. And, uh, and so they came into my office. And we were talking. And I was listening. And I realized. I realized that she had a mouth problem. And he had a lust problem. And so I had a great revelation from God. And I got up and went to my closet and got out a folding chair, came back on that side, told him to move over. I sat down between them and I had some post-it notes. And I said, okay, you got a tongue problem and you got a lust problem. And the concordance is your friend. We're going to go to the T's and the M's and we're going to get you some bullets. Verses, seven verses. You can choose them out of the concordance where it talks about the tongue or the concordance where it talks about your mouth. Whatever's going to be, you need seven bullets. And then when we get that done, we're coming for you next that your issue's in the L's, in, 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 in the lust thing. And so we got that all laid out, and I am telling you, it changed their life. It changed their life. What changed their life? The Word. The Word. So, you know, I got a problem. What, what is your problem? Well, before you call 1-800-PASTOR-HARPO or 1-800-ANY-OTHER-HUMAN, why are, why, are why are we going and bringing all of our junk into somebody else's world when we've, and we've totally skipped over the Word? Why? I, I know people need help. I got that. Bear you one another burden. Hey, you keep reading on down there, though. It's not long. It says bear your own, but we won't go there tonight. But so all this, this word has to, it just all has to fit in together, and, and it will. The concordance is your friend. Because the Bible, it's enough. It's alive. It's the voice. The Bible is the written word of God. And because it is written... It is confined and limit. It's not confined and and limited by the necessities of ink, paper, and leather. The voice of God, however, is alive and free, as the sovereign God is free. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The life is in the speaking words. God's Word in the Bible can have power only because it corresponds to God's Word in the universe. It is the present voice which makes the written Word all-powerful. Otherwise, it would lie locked in slumber within the covers of a book, and that is a great word by A.W. Tozer. So maintaining a relationship with God must consist of both praying and eating the Word. Prayer is us talking to God. The Word is God talking to us. And so I promise you, if you, wanna, if you want to receive a word from God, you can open up this right here and start reading, and He'll be speaking. Just open it up anywhere you want. We could literally say every day that, that we have spent time in the Word of God, we could with confidence say, God talked to me this morning. God talked to me this morning. Well, what did he tell you? Well, he was talking to me over here out of Matthew, and he told me that the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hidden in a field. And on and on we could go. Oh, my, my, if we would just understand the power 
that is in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Can we stand together right now? I don't know what your word habit is. I don't, I don't know what it is. But if this is not a part of every day of your life, and now in, in, this, in these days, we have, it, we have it on apps. We can listen to it. We, I mean, we can listen to it. There's, there's all kinds of things that, that we have. But I, I can tell you this, whatever it takes, elevate the Word of God in your personal life. And I challenge you, when you get you some scriptures, get a, get a good scripture for when, for when you start getting mad. Just start right there. We all get mad. We all get worked up. We all get ticked off. Okay, if we could catch it down here, instead of it getting full-blown to where we're making a fool out of ourselves, and then, and then a lot of times you're making a fool out of yourself, and then pride kicks in and you won't back it off. But if we could just start focusing down here and we start feeling that and start quoting the Scripture, whatever issue that you're struggling with in the areas of temptation, get a Scripture. And just as soon as, as that starts coming into you, you start, you start speaking that Scripture. I'm telling you, you will be thankful that you did. Can we all ask God to be with us and make his word more alive to us? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive. Thank you that it is still speaking. And I pray, God, that we'll get practical enough to take our challenges to the word. And that we will think about the areas that's holding us back and we will take it to the word. And we'll... We'll find that answer. We'll, we will find that verse or those verses that speak to that. And we'll hide them in our heart. And we'll have them there. And we'll strengthen our foundation. Let it be done in Jesus' name. And can the church say amen? Amen. amen.